0: Drama on One,
1: Sundays at 8pm, rta.ia
0: forward slash drama on one. Drama on One.
2: Tonight on Drama on One, Existentialism, written and performed by Joanne Ryan and directed by Veronica Coburn. One woman goes on a quest, a quest to uncover the ifs, hows and crucially the whys of reproducing her genes. Family, friends, fertility experts, fortune tellers and the dark recesses of the internet are all consulted as she tries to figure out, should making a life for oneself involve making another? The programme contains strong language and adult themes from the start. With Eamon Hunt, Georgina Miller, Rex Ryan and Joan Sheehy, this is Existentialism
3: by Joanne Ryan.
1: 1916 the birth of the Irish nation and the birth of my granny my mother's mother she is one of ten children none of whom would be educated
0: 1922 the first Irish constitution is written 1929 The selling, publishing, distributing, or importing of any publication that relates to contraception or abortion is banned. 1935, the sale or advertising of any contraceptive is criminalized. 1946, the sale and distribution of any book that advocates the unnatural prevention of conception is prohibited.
1: Not coincidentally, this is also the year that my mother was conceived. The third of my grandmother's eight unavoidable pregnancies. It was the 22nd of January, 2015. My mother had been calling all morning. I hadn't answered. I was in the throes of a particularly harrowing hangover. Uh, uh, Jesus the kind of hangover that comes with a fear that makes you ask big questions not just oh fuck what did I do last night more oh Jesus what have I done with my life felt like my ears were bleeding I hadn't brushed my teeth I was avoiding the harshly lit bathroom mirror because I knew that in it I would see runny mascara and the sins of my ancestors. Welcome to your voicemail. I love my mother. You have oh, new voice messages. I really do. I owe her everything.
2: Hello Joanne?
4: Joanne, will you pick up the
0: phone? Joanne? calling you for the past three quarters of an hour. Bye. <laughs> Joanne,
4: I keep bringing you. Do you answer your phone, please? I want to have my breakfast. I'm getting really annoyed now. Joanne? I just want to wish you a happy birthday.
1: It was my birthday. I was 35 years old a vast age that my mother was struggling to come to terms with. Hi. Thanks. No, we've been through this. I'm 35. No, I was 34 and then time passed and now I'm 35. Don't bless yourself when I say it. I can hear you. Yeah, I'm sure I'm 35. And I'm mainly going on your evidence because you're the one who registered my birth. Oh, okay, all right. I'll I'll see you later. Around six? No, sorry, at six. Yeah, I won't be let. Quarter to six. Okay, perfect. Love you. Bye. Jesus. Some dose when your own mother can't cope with how old you are. I kind of get it though. It does sound different. Thirty-five. If I was killed in an accident now, it wouldn't be that tragic. Middle-aged, single, childless woman, Joanne Ryan, died alone of complications resulting from a hangover in her rented flat this morning. Widespread ambivalence to the news, due in Maine to her advanced years. She is survived by... Surely your family can only say they survived your death if you nearly killed them while you were doing it. When Joanne died, her body exploded and all the acidic fluid in her organs sprayed everyone in the room. Luckily we survived, except for Jim. He was holding her hand so he got the brunt of it. And that's when I remembered holding my father's hand at the bottom of his stairs where he'd been lying for two days before I found him. We were waiting for the ambulance. I was trying to act calm, nonchalant about the fact that his broken legs looked like they were headed off in different directions. That I was kneeling in a sticky pool of blood and his life was leaking out all around me in the musty hallway. Oh darling, he said, your hands are very comforting. And I laughed. I was nervous. I said, sorry they know, would you ever fuck off? And he did. Well I didn't know he was about to die, obviously. But you know what? I probably wouldn't change it. He'd have thought it was funny. And there was nothing that I really needed to say to him as such anymore. My father was most often described to me as a character. And I came to understand that that word meant different things. Sometimes it meant funny, spontaneous, eccentric, great man for a party. And then other times, absent alcoholic. He was in complete denial about the fact that he even had a daughter for years after I was born. He never told his friends or his family about me. Once in a particular teenage rage I didn't contact him for two years and I don't think he cared or even really noticed (laughs) or if he did he certainly didn't let on. But a few years before he died He changed. He became really interested in me, in how I was and where I was and what I was doing and when he was going to see me for dinner or coffee or pinties. He remembered my birthdays. He came to my shows. He was on time for appointments. We went on a holiday. And I think it was because he had become aware of his own mortality. He wasn't sick now or anything but he had hit 70, realised that he probably actually was going to die at some point and my stock went up. You're my daughter Joanne, you're my legacy darling. All of a sudden I was important. He wanted to travel to London to put his name on my birth cert and at the time I thought it was just a gesture for me. But really, it was for him. So that his name could live on in connection with another's. Well, wasn't he lucky that he had a daughter knocking around at the 11th hour when he decided he wanted one? And that's what was sloshing around in my hungover brain on my 35th birthday. What happens if I wake up when I'm 70 and I freak out about my legacy? Tough shit. I'll have to adopt a panda or something. I'm bound to have a child at some point though, aren't I? Although what if I don't? What if I can't? What if I never could in the first place? I mean, like, I've never gotten pregnant. You know, I suppose I've been careful enough for the most part. But you think I'd have had one slip at this stage, wouldn't you? And even if I'm not barren yet, I will be soon. Do you know, I read somewhere, that a baby girl is born with all the eggs she'll ever have. And 11,000 of them
4: die every month. Every month! There was a woman on the late late the other night, who had a baby, and she was in her fifties. Jesus, ma'am, get out of my head! Anyway,
1: even if it is possible, if I have a womb like the Nile Valley and eggs coming out my ears do I want to have a child? And when am I going to make that decision? Like, do I just wait around and hope that it'll all become
4: clear one day? That I'll figure it out by fucking osmosis? You could be waiting forever for the cows to come home. And should they might never come home. 11,000, like, every month.
1: (sighs) I'll be lucky if I've enough left to make an omelette. Oh, fucking starving, actually. That's probably what's wrong with me. I need food and lilt because you can't be existential if you're drinking lilt, lilt.
0: with the totally tropical
5: taste with the totally tropical taste
1: lilt and that's how it started a birthday that my mother couldn't really accept and my father couldn't really attend and a massive hangover For most of the preceding 34 years, I'd been blissfully unaware of my ovaries. Once I got over the mess and shame of periods in my teens, I quite liked the reassuring rhythm of it all. If anything, I was angry that periods got such bad press, that they were something we were taught to fear and despise, when actually... Embracing the cycle could give us an edge to be accessed throughout the month in a natural blueprint for success. But most of all, having a period meant not being pregnant. And any sexually active person will tell you that however careful you are, that is always a relief. Kids were a Someday, distant maybe. After the degrees, and the postgrads, and the drugs. And then off gallivanting the globe, having different careers, and international adventure, and crack. All the men I went out with wanted weddings and babies. I thought they were mad. There may have been moments, very fleeting moments, when I considered the possibility that I might have gotten things a bit arseways. That the girls I'd played with on the street and gone to school with and pitied for having babies in their twenties might be feeling sorry for me. But most of the time, I just didn't think about it. I assumed it would all sort itself out on its own somehow. And I was happy. When your head's in the sand, the whole world is your hat. But something had shifted. Something had changed. And the next thing I knew, I was on the internet.
0: Medical chief warns, women who postpone having babies may stay childless.
2: Today we're asking... Should you wait to have New kids? New book
0: claims everything we thought we knew about fertility is Getting pregnant
2: is right. after 35, far
0: easier than fertility doctors Fertility falls off a cliff at 35. NHS chief warns women not to wait. I
3: wanted to freeze my eggs and they told me I didn't have any eggs. Today egg. we're making a Spanish omelette.
0: The country faces a fertility Fertility time.
3: falls off a cliff it's at
0: 35. Is
3: your
0: sunscreen making oh, you infertile? Alcohol can make you a infertile. infertile. Ten you ways your
3: home
2: is making you infertile. And that led to this.
1: Standing outside a fortune teller's house in the pissing rain and Nina. Now in fairness, I'm an atheist and a rationalist. I think that's a lot of your trouble. But in desperation, I had decided to think outside the box to help me figure out what to do with my box and, well, here I was... Any concerns I might have had about her having real psychic abilities vanished as soon as she opened the door.
2: Sorry, love, are you waiting long? I can't hear that bell in the kitchen. I didn't know you were there at all. Come in anyways, and you're very welcome.
1: It was a small room, covered with runes, crystals, wizards, angels, pictures of Our Lady and Egyptian gods. She wasn't taking any chances. She produced a pack of cards I knew it was bullshit But I thought Maybe if she mentioned that I'd have a child You know, or 20 of them Or that I wouldn't That I might have Some kind of emotional reaction One way or the other Like of relief Or disappointment Or something And then that might help me figure out what
2: I wanted Have you a brother? No Have you a sister? No What's well, just you so, Jesus? Have you any nephews? I uh, know, sure you couldn't have cousins. You have. Well, that's one of them, Blondie hair lad. And you see the way he's upside down. Does he live in Australia or something?
1: She was sort of half right about the brother. I'd gotten a phone call, out of the blue, from the undertaker who arranged my father's removal. Hello.
0: Is that Joanne?
1: Hi, Jerry. How are you? How are you? Sorry to bother you. Look, this is a bit sensitive now. There's no easy. But go I just... on, go on, Jerry. You're all right. I got a call today
0: from a man who says he's your father's son. He wanted to know. He wanted a contact number for whoever arranged the funeral. I didn't give him any information, of course, but I took his name and number, and I have it here. I'm sorry about this.
1: The son? Right? Yes. Okay. What did he sound like? I mean, like, is he my age, would you say, or, I don't know, older? Younger?
0: older, I think. I'm not sure. What's his name? Eugene.
1: A brother called Eugene. From the Greek, meaning good genes or well-born, which when you think about it is kind of an optimistic name to give to an adopted child. His birth mother, my father's girlfriend in the 60s, had finished her banking exams in Dublin and gone home to Tralee for the summer. She felt a bit ill, went to the doctor, was found to be pregnant and was transferred immediately to a home until her son was born, taken from her and given to a childless couple in their 50s in Roscommon. So, I did actually, in fact, at that time, have a brand spanking new 52-year-old half-brother. But I wasn't used to saying it out loud yet. And I certainly wasn't about
2: to get into it all with this fruitcake. You pal around with a red headed girl? No. No? Are you friends with a blonde or a dark haired girl? Uh, Well, you pick your friends very carefully anyway, and you go to them for advice and with all your problems. She was right about that too, in fairness.
1: I did eventually go to them for help, and my family. For all the good it did me.
0: There's never a right time to have kids.
2: It wasn't a choice. It wasn't planned. I never felt I had a hole in my uterus that only a baby could fill.
0: I've always loved children, especially babies. That's probably why I've had so many. The social and emotional cost of having a baby is huge. I don't
2: see myself passing on my genes to any other person.
0: I didn't understand the sacrifice that was going to be involved.
3: I haven't had sleep in four years. I never see my friends.
0: I can't remember getting too much out of it when they were younger. But the love I feel for them can't be put into words.
3: They give you love constantly. Just love you for who you are. And that's the best reward you could ever have.
0: The only reason I can think of to have a child is that so when I'm old, somebody can come and wipe my ass.
3: It's actually existentially quite weird. I'm just not
2: convinced that I'd want to bring a child into the current world. That I
3: can't protect and will always worry about... Kind of feels like your heart is on the outside of your body.
2: Tell your mother to mind her feet. She needs to get a wide fitting, comfortable shoe teller. To mind her? Oh, you love animals. Not really. Do you not? It's your daughter who does so. I have a daughter. Yeah, you'll have a daughter, she'll be mad into animals, horses especially And you'll have a son then and he'll have you wrapped around his little finger Be looking up at you with his big eyes, he will, I'm telling you When? Uh, September maybe, this year What? Oh no, no, next year so Next year? Uh, or the year after The year after? Oh just calm down, we'll get the pendulum How old did you say you were love? 35 Well, you have until you're forty-one-ish, so will we say, what, um, thirty-seven? We will. Let me steady the pendulum. Should Joanne have a baby when she's thirty-seven? Look, it's spinning. Yes, it's after saying. There you are now. Tell your mother to mind those feet. And if you're buying a house, make sure you can have an open fire in it. I displaced bought all before I realised there was no chimney. Fifty Euros She must be worth a fortune. Oh wait I'll do you one of my new cards before you go. For luck. Merlinia That's a good one. He's like a whatchamacall, a wizardy angel. Here, wait till I tell you what it says. You are confused and indecisive because you do not have enough information. Seek expert advice before making a decision. Now.
1: The wizardy angel had a point. I realised I needed to find out whether I even could have a child before I started worrying about whether I wanted one or where I keep her
3: horse. Welcome to the fertility clinic. How can I help? Hi. I just wanted to know, I suppose, what services you provide. Well, that very much depends. Are you trying to have a baby? No. But you're planning on having a baby soon? No. I don't think
1: so. I don't know if I want one at all, actually. That's why I'm here. What? Well, I thought maybe I should find out where I stand, you know, fertility-wise, and then that might help me make a decision, so... Uh,
3: I see. And you have a partner?
1: No. Well, yeah, kind of. But this
3: doesn't have anything to do with him. It doesn't have anything to do with him? N- not at the moment, no. But you're going to be having the baby together? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Probably not. If you're going to be having a baby together, you should come to the clinic together. That's how it works, usually. OK,
1: But surely people who don't have partners, or people who only kind of have partners and don't want their partners to know, come to be tested as well? No. What, never? No. Not one single, single person. Not really. Okay. Well, is it possible to just, I don't know, get my eggs counted or whatever on my own? Is that possible?
3: Here's a brochure.
1: I had just started seeing a Dublin man called Rob, but we'd really only spent a few weekends together at that point and were very much still at the stage where it is crucial to pretend that you are cool and flawless and sane. So I had decided against telling him that I was in the early throes of trying to figure out if I ever wanted to have a child and that I probably needed to make a decision fairly soon, given my age and family history of early menopause, but that I was really confused. And I was thinking of getting my eggs counted to see if the decision had already been made for me by years of smoking or just nature. Or that even if it hadn't, maybe just at the moment of getting the results, like a a gut feeling of what I actually really wanted would suddenly surface. And I didn't see that any of that needed to involve him, necessarily. Or at all, really. But then I thought, maybe I should tell him. In case he found the fertility clinic brochure hidden in my apartment and thought I was a psycho. Which I'm not. So the next time I was with Rob, on our first city break together in Lisbon, I got mangled on some local brew that I think was made from the bodies of dead alcoholics and...
5: Rob, shh, listen. I need to talk to you about something, okay? So I'm 35. I know. That's not the thing. I mean, I need to figure out if I'm ever going to have a child. Like, not now. Jesus. But ever, 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 ever. But I haven't got a clue, like, fucking zero. So I'm thinking of getting my eggs counted. Huh? My eggs counted. Your eggs. To see if I even can. Or maybe I'll get the results and, like... Anyway, the most important thing is that none of this has got anything to do with you, all right? None of it anything to do with me. I'm only telling you because there's a fertility clinic, a brochure, in my place. A brochure. And I don't want you to find it and think I'm... because I'm not. So that's all about that. We
1: were sitting on a lumpy sofa in a freezing Airbnb apartment at the top of a vertical hill that I had impulse booked because it had a bath in the sitting room.
5: And Rob said... Wow. Wow?
0: That's really interesting.
5: Interesting?
0: Yeah. I think it's really important. And now that I think about it, I'm in the same boat, really. Yeah? Yeah. I know maybe, as a man, I don't have the same time pressure, but I have no idea if I want kids either. Or even if I can have them. Maybe I should get my sperm counted. Maybe that will help me decide as well. Yeah? Yeah. We can just both find out on our own.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Not as a couple. As humans. Yeah.
0: It's not about us having a kid together, and It's just about finding out where we stand. Making
5: informed decisions.
0: Informed decisions.
5: That's great. Oh, I feel much better now. I'm going to have another bath.
1: And so it was that just two months after we met, Rob and I ended up looking anxiously at our baby-making stats together. I had an ovarian reserve of 34.9, which the internet said was a normal amount of that to have for my age. Rob had a sperm count of 29 million per milliliter, which is completely disgusting, but also entirely average. I asked him how he felt he said that he thought he was relieved that the option hadn't been taken away from him but that he was no closer to knowing whether or not he actually wanted to have a child I said i felt the same i told him that i was thinking of writing a show to help me figure it all out ah uh, you're not going to base your whole life around this thing are you but don't worry i lied Even if we're still together when I do, you definitely won't be in it. After my father died, I started attracting men who were a bit like him. Funny, charming, misogynistic arseholes. So I took a break from all men for one year. And at the end of that year, I went on Tinder. I know that this will do nothing to explode culty myths and stereotypes, but in Limerick, My Tinder catchment was comprised mainly of bizarre profile pictures of tractors, combine harvesters, horses, gah trophies, mammies and, in some cases, actual road frontage. I was just about to give up on the whole thing when I went to Dublin for a workshop and spotted Rob online. We matched on Monday, chatted till Thursday, went for dinner on Friday before I got the last bus back to Limerick and my first ever Tinder date turned out to be my last.
4: Well, you never know.
1: Rob wasn't a misogynistic arsehole and he didn't own a tractor. And after a happy whirl of dates and puns and city breaks, both off our tits on oxytocin... All the talk of to baby or not to baby made us hyper-aware of all things neonatal. We were delighted when people we knew had babies. I mean, we were delighted for them, obviously, but mostly overjoyed because it meant we could ransack the baby aisles of TK Maxx for Baby Finalia! Ah! So cute! Look at this one. Oh, Rob, 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 look, look, look. Lavender muslin swaddling with grey satin edging.
5: It's practical and elegant.
0: This owl quilt is covered in owls and it comes with owl mittens and an owl hat. That's fucking adorable. We'll get two of those before
1: dashing to our friends in the hospital. How did it go? Oh, gross. Can we smell your newborn baby now, please? <sighs> Until, to absolutely nobody's surprise, Rob revealed that he'd really like to have one too. At some point, with me, ideally. We were on another city break together in Budapest.
4: Drunk this time as well, I suppose.
1: We were on a boat that used to be a Ukrainian stone hauler in the 60s, now a floating music venue that Lonely Planet had voted the best bar in the world. And we were a little bit tipsy. Of course. And that's when Rob told me that he'd been thinking a lot and that he thought that he did really want to have a child. We passed a couple of hours imagining our maybe-future selves in our maybe-future lives, and it was fun. It was exciting. It was a bit like playing The Sims, you know, like, would it be Limerick? Would it be Dublin? What's the kitchen like? How does it all work? But the next morning, after a bit of sober reflection, I realised that, well... I was happy for him that he'd figured out his place in the colour scheme of it all. But that didn't really change much for me. Because, through no fault of his own, as a man, Rob had a much more straightforward journey to that decision. All he was really agreeing to do was have sex without a condom. Maybe many times. Which, in sacrifice terms, is the equivalent of me saying... I won't have any dinner tonight, thanks. I'll just have chocolate ice cream cake. My role, on the other hand, was to build the entire fucking thing inside my body for the best part of a year, with all the incumbent sickness, discomfort, disfigurement, pain, inconvenience, incontinence, job loss and health risks that comes with it. And then to somehow expel the baby from my body via my gisian, which, I was reliably informed by friends, might involve having to have my R stitch back together again, and then buckling in for six months to a year of feeding the baby every few hours via my, frankly, at the best of times, painfully sensitive nipples. If things could be different, I asked him, if I just had to have the chocolate sex cake and you could do all the rest, would you? And after a few minutes of making the weird clopping noise he makes when he's seriously thinking something over, he had to admit
0: that... No, I probably wouldn't.
1: And even if we could magically summon a baby up without any of the horror movie, and we both just had to eat chocolate sex cake to make one appear, we knew that it still wasn't the same ask.
0: 1950... The church opposes Minister Noel Brown's mother and child scheme, claiming gynecological care in the state should be in line with Catholic moral teaching. 1963, the contraceptive pill is introduced in Ireland, but can only be prescribed as a cycle regulator. 1969, Ireland's first family planning clinic opens on Marion Square. That's one
2: small step for man. 1971, members of the Irish women's liberation movement rebel and travel by train to Belfast to purchase contraceptives for their own
0: personal use. 1979, Minister for Health Charles Haughey legalises contraception, but it's only available to married couples from a doctor for bona fide family planning purposes.
1: So I was conceived... Not long after my birth, my mother was given the gift of a book that she still has at home, called First Baby After 30. It was published in 1982, when my mother was a single parent living in a home for homeless mothers and babies in North London, listening to a colicky me screaming for most of the day and all of the night. This book, the subtitle states
0: is all about choices.
1: It was for women who had decided to do what were, at the time, quite modern things, like go to college and have a career, before finally realising, like Macaulay Culkin's shitty mother in Home Alone, fuck it, I'm after forgetting the kids. The pregnant women in the pictures have a lot of pubic hair, and they wear full body lycra. But the disturbing thing is the chapter called Father's And fatherhood, which says things like...
0: Women over 30 may be surprised to learn that nowadays many men enjoy babysitting from time to time. And... When the baby is very young, there is no reason why the father cannot partake in some childcare duties, occasionally, to give the mother some much-needed rest. At
1: first I laughed. I thought, wow... It sounds like every mother was a single parent in the 80s. How very hilarious. And in the past. But then I looked around. And I heard men who I know and I like talk about babysitting their own children. I heard women discuss childcare arrangements. I saw men who desperately wanted to parent their children more but who weren't supported culturally or constitutionally to do so. I heard that the narrative had changed for women, but I also saw that if nothing else had changed, that just meant women had to do everything, and it was worse, not better. And I saw some of those women struggling, really struggling. I didn't hear men talk much about what happened to their creative or professional lives after having a child, and I realised... That's because there isn't a lot to tell. It's literally business as usual. I saw a man holding a baby and people gushing and their faces saying, Oh, would you look, he's holding a baby. Isn't he amazing? And a woman holding a baby and people's faces saying, Her cardigan is on inside out and she isn't holding that baby properly. I saw fathers frustrated with strangers assuming they needed help with their own kids because not woman! And seeing all this, I know I can't change it. So how can I choose it?
0: 1981. The Criminal Law Act makes it illegal for a man to have sex with a woman without her consent, making rape a crime for the first time in Ireland.
2: 1983. The Eighth Amendment, which equates the right to life of the unborn with its mothers, is approved.
0: 1985. The Health Act allows for the sale of condoms, but they can only be sold in chemists, doctors, surgeries and family planning clinics.
2: 1989. Changes to the Criminal Law Act means a husband can now be found guilty of raping his
0: wife. 1992. The ex-case leads to freedom of travel.
1: My mother didn't have it easy. But at least she didn't have to make a decision. Circumstance made it for her. I was conceived accidentally during drunken breakup sex in April 1979 in the Limerick Inn Hotel. There should really be a blue plaque outside commemorating that. And that was it. There were no One euro fifty pregnancy tests and deals then. So she had to go to a doctor in Ennis, a safely discreet distance from her home, to get the news. He told her that she was pregnant, but that she wasn't to worry, because he would arrange everything. Arrange what? she asked him. Everything, he said casually, having said it so many times before. The home... The adoption. The disappearing.
4: And I was a 32-year-old woman then. It wasn't as if I was 16 or anything. And because she was a 32-year-old, well-travelled, independent woman,
1: she was able to do what the mother of my father's first child, 17 years earlier, couldn't. She left the surgery, left her job, left the country, got a boat to London and spent the rest of her pregnancy sleeping on a camp bed in a friend's bedsit in Finchley, probably with springs sticking up into her arse, but safe from the doctors and judgment and nuns and homes and churches of Ireland. And on the 22nd of January 1980, at 6.45am, I was born.
4: One minute I was chatting away to the doctors about the IRA bombings, and the next minute you were there. Sure, I didn't know what was happening. I was
1: delivered by Professor Ian Croft, who not only had the distinct honour of being the first person to touch my arse, but was also the pioneer of test tube babies and fertility treatments in the world. The same man who went on to found the London Fertility Clinic. I was literally born into the arms of a new age, an age of IUI, IVI and IVF, Technology to help you get pregnant, but more crucially for me up to this point, technology to stop you getting pregnant. The pill, morning after pill, injections, implants, patches and super extra ultra strong condoms that are ribbed and dotted for everyone's pleasure and are as easy to break as the black box in a Boeing. I am part of the first generation of humans, in this country at least, for whom the days of getting unavoidably pregnant of it being an inevitable biological consequence of sex, are all but over. And it's great to have the luxury of choice, but it means I have to make a fucking decision. Pros and cons. Um, tech support. Tech support. My mother calls me on her landline to talk her through turning on her mobile. Who knows what kind of help I'll need. Um, Legacy. Although what my potential children may potentially achieve is their legacy, not mine. Also, my child may turn out to be an idiot or a murderer. They all have parents. The environment. Having a child will send my carbon footprint through the roof. It's pretty unforgivable. And the world is grossly over... Oh, fuck it. Overpopulation. Having someone to look after me when I'm older. I was my mother's full-time carer for a while and I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't been there. I would have been fucked, really. Excuse my language. But I don't want to put someone else in that position, so... Judgment. In the 80s, good parenting meant remembering to leave the window in your car open a little bit when you locked your kids outside a pub for two hours with potatoes and a mineral before driving them home drunk. That is no longer the case. Did you have a natural birth? Are you breastfeeding? Are you using a sling? Are you no cry sleep training? Are you baby signing? Oh, are you not? Is that homemade? Is it locally sourced? Is it nut free? Is it gluten free? Is it dairy free? Is it egg free? Is it sugar free? Is it BPA free? Is it eco-friendly? Is it fair trade? Is it free range? Is it 100% cotton? Is it natural bamboo? Is it organic? Are you organic? Am I fucking organic? Parenting is an endless triage of difficult decisions that you are constantly judged for. Happiness. I love kids. Even just seeing one makes me smile, so I imagine that that joy would be magnified immensely if the child was my own. I never knew what it was to be happy until I had you. Although research says that actually the drop in happiness that occurs after having a child, especially in the first year, is worse than divorce or the death of a spouse. (sighs) The world is a fantastic place. It's full of delicious curries and meringue and beaches and art, and it would be really nice to give someone else the chance to experience all of that. But it's also full of inequality, rising fascism, war,
4: torture, poverty, cruelty, mass displacement. Can you give over now, please, Joanne? You're giving me a migraine.
0: 2000. Ireland and Greece are the only EU countries without a licensed morning-after pill.
2: 2005. The UN criticises Ireland for its persistent, stereotypical views of the social roles and responsibilities of
0: women and its restrictive abortion laws. 2011. The morning-after pill becomes available over-the-counter, but pharmacists can still refuse to dispense it for moral reasons. 2012. Savita.
2: 2016. A major international survey of gender and parenting finds that Ireland is the most unequal in the world, with just 7% of unpaid childcare done by men. I'm scared.
1: Scared of everything changing. But probably just as scared of things staying the same. I'm frightened of who I'll be if I have a child. And of who I might become, if I don't. I'm scared that I won't be enough. That you'll see through me. That I'll hear you say my name in disappointment. Or in shame. That I won't get the balance right. I'll give too little or too much. I'm scared of all the risks involved. You might get sick. What if you die? I'm scared that I'll have you and regret it. That's an awful thing to say. But not having you and regretting that might be worse. I'm scared that Rob will leave me. What if he decides that he wants to have a child more than he wants to be with me? Like, not this year or next year, but in five years or ten years. Who knows? He can. Or what if I have you and he leaves us? I'm scared that I'll miss the me I was before and then resent you for it. Or feel guilty that you're on your own and feel like I have to give you a sister or a brother and how am I going to take care of two children and my mother? I man not be around. What?
4: None of us were promised tomorrow and I'm getting on. You're not even 70. I'm coming up to it. You can just put me in a home. I might. Or take me to Switzerland. Jesus.
1: Hey Siri, would I be a good parent? According to all the tests, whose other tests include Does he like me? Do boys want to fuck me? And am I stupid? I would be 60% a good parent. On Quiblo.com, I deal with issues of my fictional child's teenage pregnancy. My promiscuous daughter's name is Liablo, which I find more upsetting than her sexual behaviour. On Hello Quizzy, I wrangle with heady issues, like my teenage son taking pictures of girls' underwear at school, biting and having phobias. I'm happy to say I
4: rose to the challenge.
1: 94% great parent!
4: Would you ever pull the plug out of that stupid internet and get a life years yourself?
0: 2017. The Me Too campaign goes viral.
2: 2018. Ireland votes by a 66.4% yes majority to repeal the Eighth Amendment and end its constitutional ban on abortion.
0: Abortion legislation is signed into Irish law.
1: I think Rob would be a good father. He's thoughtful, kind, reliable and patient. And he's funny. Well, he's good at dad jokes anyway. We have fun. Everyone loves him. I love him. What would it be like? They'd cut your cord and hand you over, all wrinkly and wriggling, a bit bloody, crying. I'd be crying too, so'd Rob. Relieved it's all over
4: and so happy to see you. It was like having a doll. Except you were human. Would you look like me? The only thing I prayed is that you wouldn't have a big nose
1: like mine. They'd hand you to Rob and he'd stick out his tongue to see if you mimic because we saw this thing on YouTube. <laughs> and you would. I'd sit for hours watching you sleep. Study, your eyebrows, your eyelashes, your lips. I suppose
4: there was a bit of you that I didn't take in. The first week would pass somehow, and then the second. I suppose your first birthday, your first Christmas.
1: Watching your face as you taste your first tastes to find out what you like. Strawberries, apple, a slice of lemon once just for the laugh. Used to love cheese. I can imagine wondering how I could ever have been without you. On a blanket in the park, you, me and Rob, you pick up a flower, a bluebell, and waddle back unsteady to offer it. Yeah.
4: So open and giving. i telling you blades of grass, you'd be there, mesmerised by them. What you call this, it's just grass, Joanne, But it's not like that grass.
1: Rob playing with you on the floor in our front room. He's singing a song about bums. You laughing. Washing you in the sink. My mother, holding you for the first time, entranced. I can imagine thinking, I'll remember this. But you had the answer for everything. Hearing your voice and all it can say,
4: your thoughts, your ideas, I could watch you take in the world. It didn't matter how many times she'd done it, but she'd still be full of wonder and... you would say, oh, this is beautiful.
1: Rob says he's open now to us having a child or not. And if we don't, I think we could have a really great life together. And even if we do decide to try, we might not be able to. A lot of people can't. And I'm really not at all sure that we will. I mean, even the names I've come up with for you are still very...
4: eggy. Benedict. Shelley. Yoko. Whatever you decide, Joanne, will be an adventure for you.
1: But I've thought about it enough to know now. That life will be brilliant. And shit. And worth living. Either way,
4: like a soul was
3: That was Existentialism, written and performed by Joanne Ryan, featuring the voice of Gloria Ryan. Eamon Hunt played The Undertaker. Joan Sheehy played The Fortune Teller. Rex Ryan played Rob and Georgina Miller played The Receptionist. All other roles were performed by the company. Existentialism by Joanne Ryan was directed by Veronica Coburn. Sound design was by Sinead Diskin. Sound supervision by Ciarán Dunn and Ciarán Cullen. The producer for RTE was Kevin Brew. The series producer of Drama on One is Kevin Reynolds. The radio version was adapted from the stage show of the same name. To listen back to Existentialism, go to rte.ie slash dramaonone
0: rte.ie forward slash drama
5: on one